0: So singing is this amazing thing in which all of our disparate voices and experiences um, come together and coalesce into one thing. It's one reason harmony is so attractive, because there's difference, and yet there's unity in the sound and the music, right? Um, and, And so when we sing to God, it's this beautiful picture of how Jesus makes us one in the Spirit, Because you take all of our voices, all of our experiences, all of the maybe things we're struggling with or the things that we're hopeful for, and it joins them in one thing, and we cry out hallelujah, which means to praise God. Why? Because the King's alive. And this morning's passage kind of picks up a little bit from last week's and uh, adds to it just a little bit how God is making us one in Jesus Christ. It's fascinating to me that during this time of disruption and disunity, In our society and day and culture uh, Broken apart by viruses and all manner of things That God continues to bring to us A word about how He is making us one In Jesus by the Spirit And you'll remember we're in Ephesians We're entering into chapter 3 this morning And maybe you'll remember I said The first three chapters of Ephesians Is all about the blessings that God gives to us When we come to trust Jesus And the last four three chapters, four, five, and six, kind of take uh, those blessings and show how they get worked into our lives. So there's some like direct application that Paul works out for us. We're in chapter three this morning, and we gonna get to it in just a minute, but I want to begin with just a little um, uh, story from Thursday. <clears throat> so Thursday, I arrive at church. Uh, that's my sermon writing day, and then sort of turning around in my head all week, and it was weighing on me a little bit, didn't really have a a handle on how to begin or where to start, Um, and so I was hopeful, (laughs) and I walked in, and Ina greets me, as she always does, with a smile, how are you doing, Um, said good, It's mid-morning, she said we've already had some excitement at the church this morning, I said oh no, because usually when that happens, she tells me like, you know, a pipe has burst, or like some travesty has happened so what's happened she said the fire truck was here I said oh no <laughs> the fire truck was here she said yep uh, the kids from the daycare walked across the lawn and went over and stood underneath the overhang just around the back and they waited and the firefighters of the Newland fire department got into the fire truck and drove it across the square and up the driveway and pulled right absolutely square in front of these kids. Two, three, four years old. Their eyes were big as saucers, their mouths were hanging open. Um, I, I want you to I want you to travel back. You've traveled back with me to Thursday already. I want you to go back to your four-year-old self. I want you to imagine what that felt like because you had heard about this mysterious entity. Called a fire truck. You'd seen a picture of it in a book, uh, red and sparkly with lights on the top. You had asked your parents, um, What's that sound that you heard kind of echoing through the hills? And they said, Oh, that's a fire truck. What's that doing? Oh, it's taking firefighters to go help. They go help people, um, they save people. When the fire's there, they go and they put out the fire. You had heard about this mysterious entity that is a fire truck, just as these kids downstairs in the daycare had heard about a fire truck. But then they got to see the real deal. They got to see the actual thing right in front of them, and it came up the hill looking like a building on wheels. I mean, it was massive to them. See it as a kid that's about you know three feet tall. Um, it was red. The lights were going. They beat the horn. They, they even let them hear the siren a little bit. It was polished. The side of it was polished so clearly they could see their reflection in it. And then the door opened and the heroes climbed out. A real firefighter right there in front of them. They, they wore their hats. And they showed them how they can get their um, gear ready. So all I have to do is just step into it and pull it up really quick and they can be gone in the blink of an eye. A mysterious entity that they had heard about, a mysterious thing had been revealed to them. Can you feel what they felt? Just for a second. Can you imagine how excited they were? The sense of awe that came over them. The wonderment that was before them. I mean, it really just blew their minds, right? A mystery revealed. Hold on to that feeling for a second. And here, verses 1 through 12, that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He's going to say the word mystery Several times, I want you to count as, as you listen, see how many times Paul refers to a mystery. And pay attention when you hear that word, what's he talking about? Several different things, but pay, pay attention, key in on that word mystery. Maybe it will become something you've heard about like the kids downstairs, and maybe it will be something that is revealed. Listen carefully and listen well. Remember, Paul has been writing about how Jesus knocks down the dividing wall of hostility that lays between us. And is building us up into a temple in the Lord. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner, he's writing this while in jail, for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by In Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this gift was given, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery. Hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Mystery. How many times? four four times the kids had heard about this mysterious thing called a fire truck and then it was revealed to them paul talks about mystery revealed maybe you had to go back to being four to kind of sense what that mystery mysterious thing feels like but here's um here's the thing anytime we actually pay attention we encounter mystery in our lives You remember before the pandemic, we were having family night supper every Wednesday, and I was taking five minutes to do a little theological reflection with you. I was pulling from John Lee's basic Christian doctrine or teaching, and we just have a little offering each time. In chapter three, he begins um, to talk with us about the human condition. And he says that human life is actually bounded by mystery. That's mean, It's like it's encapsulated by mystery. There's certain things that we know, but there's so much that we do not. Often we get in our routines and we sort of miss the mystery. But when we pause for a moment, pay attention, and we look up, chilly though we may be, at this absolutely beautiful blue fall sky. We catch our breath a little bit and we realize that we've just taken a little bit of that into our lungs and it has allowed us to live. How did that happen? A breath? A mystery? It staggers us a little bit and we Settle in and we realize that beneath our feet is this solid, firm ground, this earth upon which we can walk. We look out and we see mountains surrounding us, rising around us. We see trees sprouting forth, reaching towards the heavens, in some sense, holding them up. We look around and we begin to see other human beings, much like us, mysteries walking before us. You know, we we easily and quickly get to the point where, like, oh, I've got that person figured out. I know them. We we make assumptions about people in the first few seconds of our encounters. <laughs> but the amazing thing is that, despite how well you could ever know the, the closest relationships in your life. That other person remains a mystery. Yes, they're a finite person, but there is something infinite about them. There is a soul within them that you can never grasp. Walking mysteries surround us. We look into our own hearts. It's a mystery there too. Paul in another place says, why do do I do the things I don't want to do? Why do I do the things I hate? We're mysteries to ourselves. Human life bounded by mystery. Not just fire trucks. Almost everything. I want to read you a quote. It's by a guy named Reinhold Niebuhr. It's about mystery. The kids downstairs encountered a mystery. Paul writes four times about a mystery. We'll get to that in a minute. But our lives are bounded by mystery. And here's how Reinhold Niebuhr says Christians deal with that mystery. This is how we understand that mystery. He says a genuine faith resolves the mystery of life by the mystery of God. A mystery resolved by a mystery. It recognizes that no aspect of life or existence explains itself. Even after all known causes and consequences have been traced all-known existence points beyond itself. To realize that it points beyond itself to God is to assert that the mystery of life does not dissolve into meaninglessness. Um, I'll interrupt that to say, so a, a completely materialist view of the world, which just means that the only thing there is is physical stuff. Uh believes that at the end of all things, we'll all, you know, we won't, but some form of existence will encounter the heat death of the universe and everything will cease to be, and it was all for absolutely no purpose. So, so to say that life points beyond itself to God means that it doesn't dissolve into meaninglessness as other ways of understanding the world um, would say, but faith in God is faith in some ultimate unity of life. In some final comprehensive purpose which holds all things together. That sounds like Paul talking about Jesus, doesn't it? A genuine faith does not mark this mysterious source and end of existence as merely an X, or a big question mark, or as an unknown quantity. The Christian faith, at least, here he's talking about us, is a faith in revelation, mystery revealed. Faith in revelation. What is revelation? It, It... It believes that God has made himself known. It believes that he has spoken through the prophets and finally in his son. It accepts the revelation in Christ as the ultimate clue to the mystery of God's nature and purpose in the world. If we want to know, so the mystery of life is resolved by the mystery of God. The mystery of God has been revealed to us in Jesus so that We have this ultimate clue to God's nature, who he is, and his purpose, what he wants. Mystery. The kids downstairs know about mystery. All of life's a mystery. Our lives are bounded by mystery. Paul speaks to us about mystery. Christians believe that the mystery of life is answered by the mystery of God, which has now been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. What does Paul say about mystery in the passage? Four things. He speaks of the mystery of the gospel. He talks about the mystery of this grace that has been given him as a minister. Though he is the least of all the saints, the mystery of the gospel that that God has become incarnate in Jesus Christ and has given his life for us on the cross that we might know relationship with him and be drawn into communion with him, that we might be adopted into his family. When we talk about the gospel, it's like all of chapter one of Ephesians. Remember, we talked about we're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We've been adopted into his family. We've received redemption or being bought back by God. We have been uh, forgiven our sins. We have been given to know the mystery of God's plan for the fullness of time, which was what to unite all things in Christ, his son. And we've been given the spirit as the down payment of an inheritance that is ours to be experienced and known. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed. He talks about the mystery of Christ. Christ Jesus. Jesus, who is the man who is at the same time God, the God who is at the same time become man without ceasing to be God. We confess that we can apprehend that, but we can't comprehend that. Is that not still yet a mystery? You explain that one to me. We can do our best to say what not to say, but we can't explain it away. As it were, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the fullness of time, which is to unite all things in Jesus. But here's his point. Here's the one thing he's driving at in this particular passage. He speaks about the mystery of what God is doing with the Gentiles. Remember the division? Jew, children of the promise, children of Israel, Gentiles, everyone else. Those who didn't know God, who were estranged from God, who were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world, the Jews and the Gentiles. He's talking about how are the Gentiles, what's happening here? It was a mystery. What was not a mystery from the beginning when God called Abraham and made promises to him was that these promises were for the blessing of the whole world. God separated Israel for a time so that the whole world could be blessed. That was not a mystery. That was known from the beginning. The mystery was how? How would God do it? And Paul says, the mystery revealed is that the Gentiles are now co-heirs, co-inheritors, because they're part of God's family. He's done away, he's broken down the dividing wall of hostility that lay between them. At the cross, he has done away with the law of commandments and ordinances. That's no longer the way to God, the way to God is faith in Jesus Christ and through this he brings everyone in. That's the mystery. That they now we are now all together one body. A mystery revealed. So maybe because we don't live in first century, you know, Israel. This, the, the division between Jew and Gentile just doesn't get us. Like that just doesn't, I mean, that, it's hard for that to move me, honestly. Like I read that and I'm like, okay, like I understand what's happening, but it like I don't, it doesn't grip me. Maybe it doesn't grip you. Maybe when you hear that mystery revealed, you you don't stand in awe as your four-year-old self did before the fire truck. I don't know. Maybe you do. And if so, praise God. But, but we do live in a time that's divided, don't we? A time that's polarized, a time marked by division, a time marked by things breaking apart. So maybe instead of thinking Jew and Gentile, when you think about Jesus breaking down the dividing wall that lies between us, about Jesus making us one in himself, maybe you can think about all the ways in which we like to divide ourselves. You know, do you squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the top or the bottom? Those are fighting words right there, aren't they? Or do you like masks or not? Or do we want to be inside or outside? Or do you like red or blue? I'm not talking Carolina and state. Republican and Democrat. Look at all the ways our society and our country is divided. Do you cheer the protests and feel the violence is warranted in some way? Do you absolutely condemn the violence and therefore also condemn the protests? I don't know. Look at all the ways we're divided, all the sides we take, all the ways we pull each other apart and put each other in categories. Jesus breaks down every dividing wall of hostility between us. Now, can you, what if that happened right now? What if that mystery was revealed like the fire truck in front of you? Would you feel awe? Would you feel wonder? Would you say, My God, how great your love is? And that you have died for that to happen. That your love is so powerful that it washes, it takes away all those things. It doesn't mean the distinctions are gone. When Christ makes us one, it doesn't make us less of a person. It makes us more of a person. But it does mean that we're made one. That we're reconciled. Where? In Jesus. So here's the connection. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Not just a sense of awe and wonder at a mystery revealed. Or a mystery hoped for. Or a mystery accomplished that has not yet come in all its fullness. Christ making us one by the blood of his cross. I don't want—I think wonder and awe is something that you should always feel so that you might turn that into worship and praise and sing hallelujah. But let's learn from the kids one more time. Remember not long ago we are in Luke and unless one receives the kingdom of God like a child, you shall enter it. Let's learn from the kids. What, a kid, what do you think your four-year-old self would have done if you had heard about this mysterious thing called a fire truck and a firefighter and suddenly they were before you? Yes, you would have felt awe and wonder. You would have been lost in the moment. You would have taken outside of yourself a moment of ecstatic experience. What do you think those kids felt that morning? Was it like the best day they'd ever had, the best moment? Well, here's the thing. So often I'm content with that feeling. But what do you think those kids did when they went downstairs to their classrooms? What do you think they did for the rest of the day? Like they pretended to be firefighters, driving fire trucks, drawing pictures. Like this is what kids do. Kids are not content with just having the feeling they have to become, they have to act. They have to do and to be. I watch this every single day with Lily and Anna. So maybe that's the challenge for us. Maybe this morning you've heard a word about how God breaks down in Jesus every dividing wall of hostility lays between us. And you say, yes, amen, I long for that day. That, like, that moves me. I have a sense of wonder at how God's love could be so powerful to do that. But Paul says this is a mystery that the church will now reveal to other people. This means that you have to become that thing. So what if right now in this moment, you resolved that in every action, every encounter... Every moment that you experience with another human being or online or in any form or fashion, you spent pointing to the unity that is available to us in Jesus Christ and the powerful love of Jesus that breaks down every dividing wall that lies between us. What if that's, it doesn't mean you can't have uh, ideas and beliefs about how that would take shape or how society is shaped or anything like that, but it does mean that you have a priority. It means that your chief end is not to work out this lesser thing these things of lesser importance, but your chief end is a point to Jesus and the love He has for all of us. What if you became the kind of unifying person that Jesus is and has given you to be? What if our church became that? Do you know what might happen? People might arrive at Newland Presbyterian Church for worship and discover people from every tribe and language of people and nation different and yet made one in Jesus. We might actually show that to the world. And they might find themselves like a kid standing before a fire truck in awe at this mysterious thing that they had heard about that in Jesus Christ people are made one. They might actually see it and experience it and be invited into it. Could you resolve today to be that person? Let's reveal a mystery to the world. That God's power in Jesus Christ makes us one and breaks down every dividing wall. Let's reveal that mystery by becoming it.